the Lord be with you. And also with you. Bless the Lord who forgives all our sin. God's mercy. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into God's presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Beloved, we welcome you to this service of ordered worship, word, and sacrament. The liturgy and music and homily are offered this day in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership now and later around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of service and leadership in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence here with us in worship. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray. Almighty God, whose blessed Son was led by the Spirit to be tempted by Satan, come quickly to help us who are assaulted by many temptations. And as you know the weaknesses of each of us, let each one find you mighty to save through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. May we share with one another signs of his peace. A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, chapter 5, verses 12 through 19. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death came through sin, and so death spread to all because all have sinned. Sin was indeed in the world before the law, but sin is not reckoned when there is no law. Yet, death exercised dominion from Adam to Moses even over those whose sins were not like the transgression of Adam, who is a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died through the one man's trespass, much more surely have the grace of God and the free gift 
in the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound, by, abound for the many, and the free gift is not like the effect of the one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free, the free gift following many trespasses brings justification. If, because of the one man's trespass, death exercised dominion through that one, much more surely will those who receive the abundance of grace in the free gift of righteousness exercise dominion and life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, just as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all, so one man's acts of righteousness leads to justif- justification for all, and life for all. For just as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedi- obedience, the many will be made righteous. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Please join me in reading Psalm 32 responsibly with the antiphon. Blessed are those whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed are those whom the Lord does not hold guilty, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I did not declare my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. Then you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore let those who are godly offer prayer to you. At a time of distress, the rush of great waters shall not reach them. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You encompass me with deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be like an unruly horse or a mule without understanding, whose temper must be curved with bit and bridle. Many are the pangs of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Beloved, please rise as you are able for the Gloria Patri in the reading of the Gospel.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord, Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew, chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. We journey together this Lent through conversation. We enter each Lord's Day into close conversation with Holy Scripture. We enter each Lord's Day into conversation with our Lenten Theological Conversation partner this year, 2017, the Reverend Dr. Henry Nowen of Blessed Memory. We enter into each Lord's Day in conversation with life about us and the living souls around us, and this day, as is our custom, around the Lord's table, bread and cup, thanksgiving, remembrance, presence. We have come to love the Holy Scripture, a source of abiding inspiration, a canon or rule or measure of the matters of faith more real than the very real life around us, a rhythmic accompaniment in holiness to the daily walk of faith in life. We do love the Holy Scripture and account its authority in our midst primarily in pragmatic terms. Come Sunday, that is, it is simply our custom to read and interpret the Holy Scripture on the journey of holy living. Our lessons today introduce conversation and so are more than apt for the first Sunday this Lent. In widely different ways, Romans 5 and Matthew 4 are the opening volleys in substantive conversation. 
You recall that Paul introduces himself to the church in Rome prior to his expected visit by the writing of the letter to the Romans, his magnum opus, his formal appearance clothed almost entirely here in theological language. Here I am, says Paul, to the church he has yet to meet. Now he may also have wanted to sum up here in 55 AD or so what he already had written earlier to the Thessalonians and the Corinthians and the Galatians. He may also, let us be candid, have desired to moderate, qualify, and temper what he wrote to the Galatians earlier in a white heat, in total honest transparency, and in anger. Paul's letter to the Romans gives two or three chapters or so each, beginning in Romans 1, to five themes— Sin, salvation, where we are today in Romans 5, spirit, Israel, church. Five ways of meeting the Romans, somewhat on their terms and somewhat on his. So these words you have heard, somewhat strange, even odd to our ears, open a conversation between Paul and the Romans. How? With heartfelt honesty and technical precision regarding pain and struggle in life. Life is struggle, and the apostle here captures your struggle with a recognition of sin, the gone wrongness in life, by a recognition of death, the end of every life, and by a recognition of law, one might say religion, as cause, lens, and entry into understanding both of sin and death. Paul's dense, complex argument about sin and death and their origin and their interrelation may strain us a bit in a limited moment of interpretation, but at a minimum are in their form and content quite true to what we experience. Though we do not deign to acknowledge it most hours, the fragility and brevity of our lives is ever-present to us. Though we do not prefer to face it most days, The leaning tendency toward what can and does go wrong in life is regularly present to us. Paul, using his received tradition, traces the latter, sin, back through the former, death, all the way to the beginning, Adam. An awareness of the proximity of death and the tendency toward sin can become, as surely as it was for Paul, for us too, a grounding in the ground of life. All sin, all fall short of the glory of God. All flesh, all flesh, all flesh is grass. Not Paul only, but Matthew also today essays to explain for us and to us a part of our condition, this struggle in life. Matthew begins the conversation about the adult life and ministry of Jesus with the story of the temptation. Life is hard. Life is struggle. Life is struggle with all manner of temptation. In a narrative three-point sermon, a stylized and fabulous remembrance of an early Christian preacher taken up by Matthew and Luke, Jesus wrestles with the devil over greed and pride and power. Every day is a struggle says this ancient preacher, and every day in the struggle we are held in the memory of Jesus our Lord who knew struggle, knew our struggle, knew this struggle, high on a mountain, 
contesting Hadiabalos. You will ask whether your preacher believes in the devil in a literal way. No, he does not. But he does remember this Lent of 2017, the voice of Hans Frey in the Lent of 1977 in the common room of Union Theological Seminary, as Frey remembered the words of Emil Brunner, circa Lent 1947, just after the great horror of World War II. Asked the same, do you believe in the devil? Brunner replied in 1947, as remembered by Fry in 1977 and quoted here today in 2017, yes, for two reasons. First, Jesus mentions him in the Bible, and second, I have seen him. Conversation begins well with utter, candid, frank honesty about our condition, your condition, mortal, prone to harm others, children of Adam, acquainted with, on familiar terms with sin and death. The temptations presented in this early Christian sermon, this fabled imagination of Jesus struggling with the devil, are to work miracles for the sake of immediate need, to give a convincing sign, and to exercise political power. In a word, the temptation, our temptation, is to confuse the penultimate with the ultimate. The work of faith as upheld in our sacrament today labors to keep us free from this kind of idolatry. Him only shall you serve. Many among us, and all of us many times in a lifetime, know well the struggle with temptation that one way or another promotes lesser loyalties to supplant or obscure or eclipse one great loyalty. The cruciform path, the way of love, an arduous journey, as Lent reminds us, asks of us an upward climb. There is a thrill in the ascent of the next high hill, but there is an ache in the knees, too. We also, this Lent in conversation, journey together in the fair company and in the loving presence of Henry Nouwen. Where are we? Physics, chemistry, biology, they are all wonderful pursuits. Earth science stands out, though, as the mode of inquiry which helps us locate ourselves. The manner of the meandering of rivers, the tidal pull, the history of the glaciers, the height of mountains and depths of deserts, the solar system, galaxy, and cosmos, the longitude and latitude, it is no platitude, help us to stand and walk and move. So where are we? Right now. We are entering Lent, a time and journey of preparation and, dis and discipline. On the whole, each Lent, we turn for a moment inward, more toward the individual than the communal, more toward personal than social holiness, more toward deep personal faith than active social involvement, though of course they are both and lastingly and daily ours. You might find one new daily habit to cultivate this Lent. We are walking with our lectionary readings from Holy Scripture. Yes, this year Matthew, who guides us week by week with his emphasis on discipleship. We read the lessons of Holy Scripture each week, 
all through the year and endeavor endeavor to interpret them for our own time, even as they were themselves traditional interpretations of tradition in their own time. A muscular liturgy, a rigorous ordered worship, a challenging sermonic address, a musical echo, both familiar and foreign, deep roots, that is, will sustain us over the next decade and its various humiliations, which have no predetermined outcome. Throughout the year 2017 at Marsh Chapel this year, we are engaged in ministry with attention to conversation. Our summer national preacher series will engage in conversation about new directions and discipleship. This Lenten series, beginning today, will engage in conversation with Henry Nouwen. Over the past decade, Lent by Lent, we have identified a theological conversation partner for the Lenten sermons, broadly speaking, out of the Calvinist tradition. For the next decade, we turn to the Catholic tradition. With Calvin, over 10 years, we encountered the chief resource for others we engaged along with him, voices like those of Jonathan Edwards, Paul of Tarsus, Marilyn Robertson, Jacques Ellul, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a Lutheran cousin, Karl Barth and Gabriel Bahanian, and themes like atonement and decision. Over the next decade, beginning this Lent, 2017, the Marsh Pulpit, a traditionally Methodist one, will turn left, not right, toward Rome, not Geneva, and we will preach with and learn from the Roman Catholic tradition so important in the last 200 years in New England, and some of its great divines, including Teresa of Avila, John of the Cross, Ignatius of Loyola, Erasmus, Hans Kuhn, Karl Rahner, and others, one per year. Perhaps you will suggest a name or two, not from Geneva, but from Rome. For those who recall, even if dimly, the vigor and excitement of Vatican II, there may well be other names to add to the list. We begin with Henry Nouwen. Given our interest through the year in conversation, Nouwen seems like a natural choice. So in these weeks, as we preach the gospel grounded in the interpretation of Matthew, we will make some space for dialogue with the Reverend Dr. Nouwen. Nouwen spoke to the last generation as a part of a chorus of talented women and men working at the intersection of psychology and religion. Think of Seward Hiltner at Princeton. Recall the voice of Anne Belford Ulanoff, a Tillich protege at Columbia and Union in New York. Give some thought to the many voices and faces of our own Danielson Center here at Boston University. Nowen in New Haven at Yale, but also for a time here at Harvard, was part of this chorus during a time now past of avid interest in religion and psychology. In pastoral ministry, with the exception of preparation for preaching, there is hardly a more substantial, fruitful area of preparation than this now somewhat forgotten, even superannuated, preparation for pastoral conversation. The minister wants to overhear at a deeper level what the parishioner at depth experiences. 
Probably it is not coincidence that the demise of pastoral psychology has occurred alongside the rising tide of mechanical communication in the newer technologies. Capacities for listening and speaking ebb and flow, wax and wane in church and culture, generation to generation. Conversation has no grandchildren. So our sermon, somewhat in teaching format this Lent, will engage Henry Nouwen. We begin today attentive to conversation and looking toward communion. Over the next four weeks, Brother Whitney preaching March 12th, we rely on Nouwen's books, Reaching Out, The Life of the Beloved, The Wounded Healer, and Daybreak. Read with us as you have time, energy, interest, and capacity. We journey together this Lent in conversation also with one another and this morning toward communion. A word about conversation, a word about communion. How are we to practice conversation itself a means of grace, especially when that conversation involves difference, division, discord? How do we trace the hidden harmonies therein? We have here no word of the Lord on this. Here, though, are some suggestions for you as you practice authentic conversation this week. Pray, listen, pause, reflect, respond. First, as you anticipate a meaningful conversation, pray about it. Place person or people, topic or interest, setting or timing, desired outcome or response in the light of God, in the light of God's love. God is loving us into love and freeing us into freedom. Second, when in conversation, listen with care, listen to everything, listen with heart as well as mind, listen. What is heard and what is overheard? Be able to recite, repeat, rehearse what you have heard. Third, pause. Take a breath. Fourth, reflect on what you have heard. Think about it in real time. Fear not a reflective silence. Fear not the fallow, the winter, the quiet, Lent. Say, let me reflect for a minute on what you have said. Fifth, fashion some response out of or out of a mixture of ingredients on your conversational cooking shelf. You might respond by speaking. Well, here's then what I think. You might respond by being quiet. I need some more time to ponder this. You might respond by shunning. I think we need to part company for a time. Or there may be some combination of these. Yes, the arts of conversation, prayer, listening, pause, reflection, and response are neglected in our culture, in our age. But we have the time, the time for struggle, the time, the time for journey, the time, the time of Lent to reclaim them. And today, communion 
Hear Henry Nouwen on communion as we come to the Lord's table. He wrote, The word that seems best to summarize the desire of the human heart is communion. Wherever we look, it is communion that we seek. Once you are in communion with God, you have the eyes to see and the ears to hear other people in whom God has also found a dwelling place. Baptism opens the door to Eucharist, Eucharist is the sacrament through which Jesus enters into an intimate, permanent communion with us. It is the sacrament of the table. It is the sacrament of food and drink. It is the sacrament of daily nurture. While baptism is a -a once-in-a-lifetime event, the Eucharist can be a monthly, weekly, or even daily occurrence. Jesus gave us the Eucharist as a constant memory of his life and death not a memory that simply makes us think of him, but a memory that makes us members of his body. That is why Jesus, on the evening before he died, took bread, saying, This is my body, and took the cup, saying, This is my blood. By eating the body and drinking the blood of Christ, we become one with him. Beloved, we journey together this Lent through conversation, God, grant us grace for the struggle. Amen.
Please be seated. Good morning. Welcome to Marsh Chapel, as we strive to be a heart in the heart of the city and a service in the service of the city. Whether you join us in the nave at 735 Commonwealth Avenue by radio airwaves at 90.9 WBUR or via the podcast, know that you are most welcome here. On this first Sunday of the month when we share in communion, know also we practice an open table. We believe we experience a real encounter with the divine in the sacrament, and this divine grace is available to all. All are welcome to receive, regardless of age, gender, citizenship, sexual orientation, political affiliation, baptism, or ability. Wine is available on the pulpit side, that's where I'm standing, uh, and non-alcoholic grape juice on the lectern side. If you require a gluten-free option, simply let the server know. If you do not wish to receive communion, uh, but rather a blessing, please also let your server know. If you should be listening from afar and unable to travel to receive the sacrament and wish to receive, please contact the chapel office at chapel at bu.edu or 617-353-3560, and we'll do our best to arrange for a member of the staff or a clergy colleague in your area, near or far, to bring the sacrament to you. I call your attention to a few announcements. First, regular weekday chapel activities are suspended while students are on spring break this week. Second, two weeks from yesterday, that's Saturday, March 18th uh, at 8 p.m., the Marsh Chapel Choir and Collegium, you may have seen a flyer in your bulletin or in the back, will be performing Handel's Israel and Egypt here in the nave. Tickets are $10 or free for students with ID. And two weeks from today, on Sunday, March 19th at 12.30 p.m. at Sloan House, 135 Ivy Street, All women in the Marsh Chapel community are invited to this semester's Women's Forum, hosted by Dr. Beverly Brown at Sloan House, the home of the president of the university. Lunch will be provided, and Dr. Brown will give a short talk in a book that she recently wrote on her family's genealogy. We invite you to come and share some of your own family history. Please RSVP to HRF, as in Frank, at bu.edu. And finally, uh, just a brief note about the Healing Prayer Station. Marsh Chapel offers prayer for healing at every Sunday communion service, except for the Easter services. If, after partaking of communion, you are moved to prayer for healing in an area of your life that calls for attention, with the laying on of hands or anointing with oil, please join the members of the healing prayer team under the first window on the pulpit side, right over here, uh, of the nave. Please feel free to stay until you're prayed with as as the service will continue and hold you and all. worship. For all other chapel events and information, see the chapel website at bu.edu slash chapel, where there is also the opportunity for online giving. As the ushers wait upon those in the nave, let us remember it is both a joy and a discipline to be a giver.
for the work before us, the life within us, the fellowship among us, and thy love that surrounds us. We give thee thanks, O Lord. Bless these gifts and the givers, we pray. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You brought all things into being and called them good. From the dust of the earth you formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. When rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, you bore up the ark on the waters, saved Noah and his family, and made covenant with every living creature on earth. When you led your people to Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights, you gave us commandments and made us your covenant people. When your people forsook your covenant, your prophet Elijah fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and on your holy mountain he heard your still, small voice. And so so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ when you gave him to save us from our sin your spirit led him into the wilderness where he fasted 40 days and 40 nights to prepare for his ministry when he suffered and died on a cross for our sin you raised him to life presented him alive to the apostles during 40 days and exalted him at your right hand by the baptism of his suffering death and resurrection you gave birth to your church delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. Now, when we, your people, prepare for the yearly feast of Easter, you lead us to repentance for sin and cleansing of our hearts, that during these 40 days of Lent, we may be gifted and graced to reaffirm the covenant you made with us through Christ. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you and gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you, this is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, 
that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. And now with the confidence of children of God, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom,
May, may we pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. O Lord, support us all the day long of this troublous life until the shadows lengthen and the evening comes, the busy world is hushed, the fever of life is over, and our work is done. Then in thy mercy grant us a safe rest, a happy lodging, and peace at the last. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen.